Good morning. Um, first things first, today is my daughter's birthday. She's not here. She's in Northern California with, um, with my wife, and they're visiting their grandparents. But today, my, my daughter turns 12 years old. And so, Bella, um, if you ever see this, happy birthday. I love you. Um, the fact that she's 12 means I have 365 days before I have a teenager in my house. And so we better spend that time, <laughs> yeah, pray that the rapture happens. That would be good. It's, um, it's kind of interesting how we associate, we associate um, like age, like getting older with freedom. Yeah? Like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, man, when I'm older, then I can do stuff. Yeah, when, I'm, when I get a little bit older, then I'll be doing, I, for me, it was like, as soon as I'm 16, I could drive and I'll have my freedom, right? I will get out of this oppressive house when I want and I will drive and do what I want, right? That was a big step, like, and we look forward to that, uh, some of us. But then I found out when I turned 16, I was free to drive anywhere my parents wanted me to drive. Yeah, it was like all of a sudden, like, we think that, like, Siri and, and Uber and all this stuff is, like, new. Like, my, we had it at our house all the time. You know how now you're, like, Siri. And if the thing doesn't do anything, you, you say it louder, like, Siri. Right? Then she comes up. That's how it was at my house. My dad would just be like, Fulton, Fulton, go get your brother and sister from school. <laughs> right? And then I'd just get in the car and go. I didn't have freedom. All of a sudden, this thing that I thought was freedom didn't turn out like I thought. And so, just with that in mind, um, when I say the word freedom, I want you, everybody just shut your eyes for a minute. When I say the word freedom, what kind of images come to your mind? My eyes are still open, so if your eyes aren't shut, you're already not paying attention, I'm mad. Just joking. Maybe you sleep with your eyes open, too. What kind of, when I say freedom, what are the first images that pop to your mind? You could open your eyes. Um, did anybody think of an American eagle? One of us, what What about our flag? Yeah? All right. Anybody think of, like, fireworks like the 4th of July? Oh, there you go. What about, um, anybody think of Abraham Lincoln? Oh, some. What about Abraham Lincoln holding the Declaration of Independence, riding a bear? Did anybody think of that? No. No, no one did. Yeah? We have this idea about freedom, and a lot of it's associated with us because, like, as Americans, if you're born in this country, we, we associate freedom with, with our country and, and where we live. But how many um, of you thought of the Bible? The very first thing, when I said freedom, you thought Bible. I don't know. I would, I would guess that it's less than the American flag. Or what about when I said, hey, when you think about freedom, how many of you guys thought of church? Like, man, if you want to be free, man, go to church. There's lots of freedom there. Like, I couldn't wait to be free, and so I started going to church. Or how about just even thought about, Jesus? like, the first thing I thought, man, when I think about freedom, I think about Jesus dying on the cross. Some of us thought that, but for a lot of us, we don't associate the word freedom with these things. And it's interesting because the Bible teaches something um, totally different. Check this out. This is Jesus talking. He says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of the sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Right? Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In Galatians, oh, in Corinthians it says, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians says, it is for freedom 
that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Man, Jesus came for freedom. Jesus came for freedom. That should be associated. When we think about true freedom, it shouldn't be like, oh, what can I do? What can I get away with? You know, it should be like Jesus. That's the whole reason why he came. Or maybe if I just turned it around a bit and I said, hey, shut your eyes and think about Jesus. What are some of the great qualities? Freedom should be on the top of the list, man. He came to set us free. And we're going to talk about that today as we go through uh, Romans. So before we go any further, though, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just uh, thank you for today. I thank you for these opportunities, Lord, to um, come together. It's a freedom that we have. We can come here today and worship you and learn more about you. But, Lord, I just pray right now that um, you would just soften our hearts, open our ears from what it is you want us to hear today. Some of us have been looking for freedom for a long time, and we've been looking in the wrong places. Some of us have known about you and given our lives to you, yet we still don't live in freedom. I pray that today, Lord, that you would just show us what it means like to, to be free with you. Lord, I also just pray that uh, if I say anything stupid today or wrong, which is bound to happen, Lord, that everybody in this room would know that's me, and they wouldn't um, give you the credit for that, Lord, but that I would get full credit, and they would know that that's just me saying something stupid um, that maybe wasn't well thought out or was maybe just wrong, but I would get full credit for that, Lord. But I also just pray that if anybody hears your small, still voice talking to them, that it's you, that I wouldn't get any credit for anything, Lord, but that anything that goes right today, that you get all the credit and the glory and honor. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been going through the book of Romans, and um, it's a big, big, important book. It's written by the Apostle Paul, written to the church in Rome, um, and it's written to a church that's it's, it's kind of divided by people who used to practice Judaism, people who are, were born into um, the faith, people with the, the people of the law, and then people who were Gentiles who weren't born into Judaism, right? But they've all decided that they're going to follow Christ, and what does that look like? And um, the important thing to kind of realize, though, is as we go through this book, um, when Paul wrote the book of Romans, like, it was written to be, be read aloud in one sitting. Like the whole book of Romans, he didn't say, man, I'm going to write a letter to Romans, and I'm going to give the pastor there 30 sermons of material. That wasn't his intention. When he wrote the book of Romans, he says, man, someone's going to get up there, stand up there, and they're going to read this letter to the church, and the church is going to hear it. They didn't have a copy of it to follow along. They weren't passing it around. They had to hear it. They got to hear it once. They might have had chances. They, they, of course, they would pour over it afterwards, but it was designed to be read in one sitting. And what's kind of difficult about that is, is that when we break it up, sometimes it seems really, really repetitive, right? Like, man, he's, he, I get what you're saying, Paul. You keep saying it over and over again. But he was trying to get a point across. And it's also important to know, um, as we go through Romans 6, where we've been. And what we've been learning about, right? What's the big picture? What is Romans about? Where ha what have we been learning? And what are we going to learn? And so just really quick, um, a quick recap. Uh, chapter 1 is 
talking about how Gentiles, people without the law, people who weren't born um, into the Jewish tradition, how they're sinful. They're sinful because they don't have the law. They don't even know any better. They're born into sin, right? Chapter 2 says this. says, man, Jews are stuck in sin too. But they have the law. They have the law, and they're still stuck in sin because the law only points to our sin, right? It can't save you from your sin. And then chapter 3, Paul's saying, hey, everybody is stuck in sin. There's no one that's good enough that's not stuck in sin, whether you're Jew or Gentile, but God has provided a way, right, in Jesus Christ. And um, in three, uh, in chapter 4, he's saying, um, the way that you can be justified or the way that you be, can be finally released from this sin that you've been stuck in is through Jesus Christ, and it's only through faith in him that you can do this, right? And then um, 5 and 6 is talking about how we apply that, what that looks like in our life. And um, we started chapter 6 last week. Danny did a great job on uh, short notice. Um, thank you for covering me. I was sick um, I'm really nervous. I got the first COVID shot, and it made me really sick, so I'm scared about the second one. But still go get it, or don't. You have the freedom to do whatever you like. Yeah? I'm not going to sway either way. But I want to look at the, the rest of this chapter. Um, Romans 6, we're just going to read through it all. Bear with me. It's, uh, I don't know, 12 verses here. It says this. Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then... Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that when you become a, you become a slave to whatever it is you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now wholeheartedly you obey his teaching that, we have been, that has been given to you. Now you are free from sin uh, now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using this illustration. I think that's kind of funny. He's like, hey, because you're, you're very limited, I'm going to give you an illustration that you can understand. I'm using this illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity, lawlessness, which led to even deeper sin. Now you must give yourselves over to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves of sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You were now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that led to eternal doom. But now you are free in the power, from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do the things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Ah, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, there's a lot there. But it's basically like three paragraphs. Right? And the, and the thing is, is that instead of going through these three paragraphs, because the three paragraphs follow kind of the same formula, um, it's this. It's talking about Jesus Christ is the center of everything. Right? But each paragraph talks about this. What, before Jesus, what was it? 
What was your life before Jesus? Right? It, each paragraph says, hey, yeah, and you were a slave. You were dead. It talks about before. Then it talks about after Jesus. Now that you have Jesus, now that Jesus is part of the equation, this is what it looks like. And then it goes on to say, now this is how you should live. It was like this. Now it's like this. Now this is what I want from you. And so we're just going to follow that formula and just talk about it a bit. Um, first of all, it's the before. So the verses say this, like, it says, before Jesus, you were dead. You were under the law. You were slaves to sin. You had no obligation to righteousness. Danny talked a lot about death last week. Like, we are dead to sin. In fact, um, the Bible doesn't only say that we were dead to sin. We were dead in sin. Right? We were dead to sin, dead in sin. Like, we were, it's the opposite of, like, a, a zombie movie. You know, in a zombie movie, they're alive, they get bit by a zombie, they die, then they come up from the dead, right? And they're the walking dead. But, like, the gospel picture is something different. It's like, we were already zombies. We were already the walking dead, right? And until you were baptized, until you were crucified with Christ, until you uh, accepted Jesus, then you, then you died to self and had new life. Right? And that's what Danny was talking about. We were bound to death. It says we were under the law. You were slaves to sin. You had no obligation to righteousness. This is insane because it's saying that, hey, you were born into sin. And there's nothing that you can do to get out of it. That's a hard thing to, that's a hard thing to imagine. Like, hey, I'm born, I'm already behind the eight ball. There's nothing I can do. And I think that's what's really important here to understand, especially for the freedom part, is this. Is that you were born in sin. No matter what you did right, you couldn't become righteous. You couldn't earn your righteousness. Um, I'm going to show you a picture of one of the members of my family who is very precious. So this little pig here is named Charlotte. And Charlotte is a wild pig that was found probably about three to four weeks old. But she was injured, right? And um, a friend found her and asked if I wanted this pig. And I was like, yes, man, who doesn't want a pig? And um, look at this. I love this pig. That is little Charlotte. And my family loved it. It was like a little, it followed my son wherever he went. My, my son would just walk down the beach. And this pig would just follow Brexton wherever he went, you know. And people would be like, is that a pig? He'd be like, no, it's a wild boar, right? But, like, what kind of life is this? This kid is walking down the beach. I think this is um, this video. I don't know if there's audio for my thing. Is there audio? I don't know if there will be or not, but just look at this. This is how much, this is a cute little video. Uh, oh, wait, is it going to play? Hold on a sec. Can I make it play? Oh, you can't hear it. But this is Brexton just playing with little Charlotte, yeah? Just loved, like, and here's the thing about Charlotte. Charlotte lived in our house, right? She slept in our house. And the other thing about our house is we had these, let me go back. We had these two little dogs, right? We had these two little Yorkshire Terriers that we've had forever, right? And they actually bossed Charlotte around. Like, Charlotte learned from them, right? Charlotte, after three to four weeks, she'd never seen another pig, right? She was living in our house. She did what the dogs did. She was house trained. She went out to walk, right? She slept in these beds. She could sit. I would tell her to go into a little kennel. She went, she would do everything just like a dog, right? She had no idea. She was living the life. And um, Charlotte, as you could imagine, gets bigger, right? As, as pigs do, right? She just get bigger and bigger. And then she got too big. She couldn't stay in the house. Like she's twice that size now. Charlotte is 
huge, right? Here's the thing about Charlotte. No matter how much she acted like a dog, no matter how much she acted like she was like a little Yorkie, she wasn't. She was always a pig. She was a wild pig, always. She couldn't act her way. I could have taught Charlotte to talk like a human being. It wouldn't have changed who she was. She can't outrun her identity, right? She's a pig, right? She didn't act like a pig. doesn't matter. And that's what, that's what Paul's been saying, man. Like, we are born into sin. We're born sinners. And no matter how good you act, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you can't undo that on your own. You can't do it. You are stuck. You are born this way, and there's nothing that you can do on your own to change that. That's who you are. Like, so Paul sums it up like this. Before, you were unrighteous. You were a slave to sin. When you're a slave, like this, 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 this language is, is different for us, but in, in this time, like slaves don't have a choice. He's saying you were born and you were owned. It was basically saying, man, you were owned by the sin. You were owned. Sin took your lunch, ate your lunch, and popped the bag. It owned you. There's nothing you can do. And while you could try to, to, to live and outlive your sin, you know, and do different, something different, it's like the truth is, man, you're stuck in your sin. And that's important to know, that there's nothing that you could have done to change that you were unrighteous. We like to think that, like, you know, babies are really, like, of course we're not born into sin. You know, we learn how to sin. Dude, babies know how to sin. As soon as a baby comes out itself, it wants exactly what it wants. Yeah? First thing they do is they cry. Oh, they don't know any better. What they know is they want what they want when they want it. I was at a friend's house last night who will remain nameless. And it was time for bed. And they have, a, like, a one-and-a-half-year-old. One-and-a-half? I'm not going to name names. One and a half? Is your child one and a half? And um, it was time for her to go to bed. She was not happy. She was mad, right? And um, Nenea, Nenea is really good. She has a good routine. The routine is this. Every night she lays down with Nenea, I mean, lays down with her child until her child falls asleep, right? But the real routine is this. That baby has, has Nenea trained, yeah? Like, the, the real routine, like, Nenea's like, I lay down. Our routine is I lay down until the baby falls asleep. In the baby's mind, she's like, I'm going to stay awake until I'm ready to fall asleep. I'm, I'm going to have you with me until, right? Babies, that's how they are. That's how we all are. No one had to teach you how to sin. You knew how to be selfish, right? I remember my kid, like, like Brexton, when he, when he was young, like, I didn't have to teach him how to lie, right? I would tell him not to do something. He'd do it. Did you do it? No. No one taught him that. It was instinct because we were unrighteous and there was nothing that we can do. Here's the good news. Here's the after. All of a sudden, Paul says, that was your old way. But now you have a new life. Sin is no longer your master. You live uh, under the freedom of God's grace. You're now a slave. Um, you're free from the power of sin and now you're a slave to righteousness. All of a sudden, you were reborn, and this is what you are. This is what you are. You were born in your sin, and there was nothing that you can do to get out of it. But now he says, hey, now that you've died with Christ, now that you've accepted Christ, you're something new. You're something new. And this is the hard part we have, I think, as Christians, is this. 
we don't believe what God says about us. We don't believe what God says about us. I think most people who, who grew up going to church or have a relationship with Jesus, most of us would agree that, man, there is nothing I can do to become saved. There's nothing I could do that would deserve, you know, would warrant me able to go to heaven and deserve that. Most of us would agree with that. But then we think once we know Jesus and once we give our life to him, that there's all this stuff that we could do to, that would make him not want us. That would make us unrighteous. And that's a hard thing to swallow. Because I'm telling you, anytime you're talking at church and you're saying what Paul was saying, because Paul literally just spent chapter 5 saying this, you can't out-sin God's grace. He spent all of chapter 5 saying, hey, no matter what you do where sin is a, is, is a lot, there's a lot more of God's grace. You cannot do anything to escape the love of God. You cannot do it. But then people hear that and they say, well, you can't tell people that. You can't tell people that, that they can go on in their life and do whatever they want. God's still going to forgive them because they won't change. But Paul's saying, man, this is the New Testament gamble. I'm going to tell them now. Here's all the cards are on the table. You're saved. There's nothing that you can do that would make Jesus love you any more than he already does now. When you were reborn, Jesus says, now you're righteous. And just like when we were born into sin and we didn't have, a, uh, have any way, there was nothing that we could do that could make us righteous. When we're reborn with Jesus, the Bible teaches, man, there's nothing that we can do that would make us unrighteous. We were born righteous. We were reborn. We're with him. It's not about your behavior. Now, I want, you, I want to be clear. I'm not saying behavior doesn't matter. Right? It matters what we do. But behavior does not determine your identity. Would you agree with that? Right? We say this to our, our kids, you know, like, or you may have said this to somebody, like, hey, act your age. Hey, you know, you're 15 years old. Right now you're acting like a spoiled 8-year-old. Right? Act your age. Their behavior isn't changing their identity. They don't become 8. And just, just the other way as well. If you're 8 years old and you act really mature, you're just not older. Like, hey, why don't you act older? And you're like, okay, now I'm older. It doesn't change your identity. That's like when you see those movies, um, I don't know, like Princess Diaries or something. Like when someone's learning how to become royalty, they're like, you didn't know this, but you're, you're really a king or you're really a princess. And they're like, I don't know, but that's their identity. But they don't know how to act like one. And so there's a bunch of cut scenes, you know, where they're learning how to eat properly and wear the right clothes. You could learn the behaviors to act like a king, but it would never make you a king. And you could be a king and not act like one. That's what Paul's saying. That's what's important. Paul's saying, you know what? You're free from sin. It's slavery of sin is no longer, sin is not your master anymore. You have a new master. You were bought out of slavery, and now you're mine. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're free? Like, you're free. Like, you're free, 90 free. You're 100% free. The Bible says you're free from sin, and the truth is you're actually free to sin. If you want to keep on sinning, you could just keep on sinning. That's what Paul's saying, right? He's not saying you should keep on sinning. That's why he keeps on saying, should I keep on sinning? This is what he says, now what? Now what, should I keep on sinning? No. Why would you keep on sinning? Why would you keep on doing it? You have a new identity. Why don't you live it out? How many of you guys have a hard time living out this new identity? Yeah? 
Like we just sang up here, we just sang that I am who you say I am. That's easy to sing. How many of you guys live that? How many of you guys believe right now that even messed up, if you already know Jesus, if you've already given your life to him, that even though you still struggle with sin and you're still messed up, that Jesus sees you as his child and righteous. Sometimes we teach um, at church that when God looks at us, he just sees Christ, right? He only sees Jesus. That's how, it's like almost like a trick, right? Like God just sees, like he can't see us because of Christ's righteousness. The truth is, is that he sees us. He knows our shortcomings. He knows everything. And we are righteous because we're in him. That's what the Bible teaches. But we have a hard time living this way. We have a hard time living in free. It says, hey, should I keep on sinning? No, don't let sin control your life. Any of you guys struggle with habitual sin? Nobody? This is, thank God, man. I'm a God. Praise Jesus, no one struggles with sin in here. You've all, I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. How many of you guys have ever done really good at, at being good at, at something you struggle with? Like, man, I'm not going to do this. And you do it for good for maybe a week, and then you're like, ah, and you mess up, and you're like, ah, forget it. Yeah? Happens to me all the time. Yeah? All the time. I think I'm going to do good. It's sin management. Danny talked about it. You cannot manage your sin. If you could manage your sin on your own, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. Yeah? Sin lies to you and it tricks you. It says, hey, man, you can come and go as you please. You want to get high? Get high. You wanna, don't want to get high? Don't. You want to um, sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Do it. If you don't, don't. You're in control here, man. You're in control. You have the total freedom to do what you want to do. That's what sin says, right? And then all of a sudden you're in bondage, right? And we try to manage sin instead of just saying, man, sin is not in charge. It says you have a new master. Give yourself completely to God. Use your whole body as an instrument to the glory of God. It says to obey God's teaching because to live righteous. That's what he wants us to do. Before you were unrighteous, there was nothing that you can do to become righteous. Now, because of what Jesus has already done, start living that way. Now's the time to start living that way. And if you've been a Christian for any time, you know that it's, it's not easy. And it's not easy because even though we have a new nature, right, we still have an old mind, yeah, with some really bad programming. Yeah, that's why the Bible says to, to be renewed, you know, like to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Don't be conformed by the world, right, but be transformed. Our mind has to keep on, we have to keep on reminding ourselves who we are because we have a new boss that says sin is not in charge anymore. Um, an easy way to, to think about this is um, imagine um, you were a, a slave, right? And Jim was your slave master, and you did whatever Jim said to do, you did it. Jim said, go get the paper, you got the paper. Jim said, mow the lawn, you did it. That's what you did. You don't have a choice, right? But then there's a neighbor over here and says, you know what? I've been watching this situation, and I'm going to make a way for you not to be that slave anymore. You're going to come over here. I'm going to purchase you, Right? How about this? You come over here. You can start working for me. You know, I'll treat you right. I'll give you everything you want. I'm going to purchase you and you can come over. So you're like, that sounds good. You get purchased. Now you're under new, you know when, it's, when a business says under new ownership? Now you're under new ownership. But here's the problem. Jim comes out of his house sometimes and sees you. He's like, hey, well, why don't you mow my lawn? And it's like your, your knee-jerk reaction is to do what, what you've always done. Right? 
Or um, how about this? Like when I was a kid, you know, like my dad was in charge of the house, but my mom was calling the shots, right? My dad was in charge, technically, right? But my mom was calling the shots, and I'm kind of a mama's boy, and so my mom would say to do something, and you would do it, right? But then I got married, and now I have a new master, <laughs> right? Now I have a new master, it seems. And I'll tell you what, there was a transition period. There was a transition period where I had to work that out. You know, when you're first married and your mom calls you like, hey, are you coming home for Christmas? I'm like, yeah, I think so. And then my wife's like, I'm not going there for Christmas. You're like, oh, which master? No one can serve two masters. <laughs> right? But we have this knee-jerk reaction to go to our old ways and live out the way that we always done it. But we don't have to do that. Yeah, we don't have to do that. I think the problem is this, is um, because we are born in um, captivity, right? The Bible says that we're born into bondage, right? We're born into bondage, so we have no idea what it looks like to live free. Like if you go to the zoo and you see a, a cheetah that was born in captivity, right? That cheetah has no idea what it's really capable of. Right? It doesn't know what it's like to run 60 miles an hour for a, a mile and to take down an antelope. It has no idea. It's capable of that. That's what it was made to do. But it has no idea because it was born in captivity. Right? And if you dropped it off in the wild, it'd be like, I I'm not sure how to act. It would live like it's still in captivity. And some of us as Christians, we have that problem. We were born into sin. We were born into captivity. And now all of a sudden we're free and we have this new identity, but we're still living like we're captives. We're not living out the truth. Yeah, it's like being, being chained up to a chair and just begging for someone to, to undo these locks. Please, just let me go. And someone comes and liberates you. Jesus comes and frees you. And then you're like, now I'm just going to stay in this chair. He says, man, you were a slave and under sin. But this is what's kind of interesting, what's, what's hard about this passage. It says, but now you're a slave to righteousness. It's weird that he doesn't say, hey, you were a slave to sin, and now you're free. You're not a slave anymore, now you're free. He says, you were a, free, you were a slave to, to sin, and now you're a slave to righteousness. The option isn't slave or not a slave, right? It's not like, oh, I'll be a slave or I'm not a slave. No, the Bible says that you are a slave either way. There's no in-between. You're either a slave to, to righteousness or you're a slave to sin. It's not about what your behavior is. It's about who owns you. Jesus bought you at a price. Are you going to live out that identity? Um. One of the lies that the enemy tells us is this, is that um, following Jesus, there's nothing free about it. Some of us feel kind of hoopty-dooped when, like, we become a Christian for the first time. We, you know, you'll hear a, a preacher come up here and tell you, man, all you got to do is ask Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and everything's done. It's all completed, right? And you're like, that sounds great. You come up to the altar. You give your life to Christ, and, and then you get this list of now here's what you got to do. You're like, man, I don't, I, whoa, this is a lot more than I signed up for. Right? And we're like, man, how can this be free? You want me to do all this stuff? You know, like now, now I'm not free to, to look at whatever I want on the Internet. Now um, I'm not free to, to have relationships that aren't pleasing to God. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. But the truth is, is there's freedom 
in captivity to Jesus, right? What makes you unfree is not being bound. It's who you're bound to. What you're bound to. In fact, a lot of the things that we think are going to give us freedom enslave us. Would you agree? Yeah? I've used this example before, but when I was younger, my, my mom, when, when I was probably uh, 13 years old, my mom decided she wanted to run a marathon, and my mom was not a runner. She wasn't athletic. And we're like, what are you thinking? But she had this idea that she was going to do this and accomplish it, right? So every day she started running a little bit at a time. Mile every night, two miles every night. Then it's like five miles a night. And then on the weekends, it's like 10 miles. Then she started eating certain things and going to bed at a certain time and even started going to the YMCA, started lifting weights. Like my mom was doing all this training. And on the outside, it looked like her life was super strict, right? Like there was no freedom there. It's like, no, I can't eat that. No, I have to go. I can't miss my run. It looked like there was no freedom. But let me tell you, it gave her the freedom to run a marathon. Yeah? Her training, her following a regimen gave her the freedom that she did not have when she was doing whatever she wanted to do. Yeah? So, like, when we follow Jesus, it keeps us free, man. It keeps us free from being addicted to pornography or to drugs, man. Doing whatever you want to do is a trap. Um, I work for the Salvation Army. And I'm around people a lot who are uh, going through addiction and sobriety. And um, I probably told you this before, but it's perfect illustration for this is that. I saw a brother who had, had, had gone through a program. He had been clean for probably a year, a year and a half. And I was driving on the North Shore, and I saw him walking down the street. So I pulled over. I said, hey, man, you need a ride? You remember me? He's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And then he got in the car, and I knew something wasn't right. It wasn't good. It was really thin. Sunken in, agitated, right? And I could tell he'd been using again. He'd been using meth again. And I was telling him, hey, man, like, what's going on? And he said, hey, hey, I just need a ride to 7-Eleven. I need to get something, and I need to get back. I need to get back to Kiana Point because I'm camping out there, and I really got to get back because I don't want someone breaking into my tent and stealing all my stuff, right? I was like, oh, man, that doesn't sound good. I go, how about this? How about I can go get you to take your stuff, and we can go, why don't you check back in, man, to rehab? It's free, the Salvation Army, you know? And he's like, man, I can't go back there. I need my freedom. I can't go back there for, you know, 90 days. I need my freedom. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're not, you have zero freedom. Yeah? You're bound to a substance. You can't even leave your tent because you're afraid that someone's going to take You're living in fear. There's no freedom in what you've been doing. It's, you're in bondage. But we like to tell ourselves it's freedom. We could, do, we could sell ourselves on anything. Yeah? We could sell ourselves on anything. And so today I just want to ask you this. Are you living free? Are you believing what Jesus has told you? Are you a, a, a sin? Are you a, a slave to sin or are you free from sin? Are you bound to this or are you bound to Christ? And if you're bound to Christ, let me tell you this. It doesn't matter. You can't sin your way to be unbound from him. That's what I think the Bible teaches. But here's the hard part. Again, you say that and everybody's like, well, you said that. And so, like, what's the point? What's the point? If it doesn't matter, if I'm not going to go to hell or if God still loves me no matter what, what I do and I sin, then what's the point? Why not sin? Because sin ruins your life, man. That doesn't change. 
Sin is a terrible way to live. God is saying, man, there's a new way. It's a better way. Live that way. My daughter, who I told you about, she's always going to be my daughter. I'm always going to love her. There is nothing she could do that would make me not love her and make her not my daughter. And I tell her that. And she could say, so I could do anything and you would still love me? Yes. It doesn't mean that everything she does is good for her. It doesn't mean that everything she's doing is going to be pleasing to me. But it doesn't change the fact that I love her. She's secure in that. But if you guys don't live in that security, instead you live in fear about messing up, then you're not going to live fully because you're not getting it. Like, what would it look like if you started living your life and instead of trying harder, you started trusting God more? Instead of trying to please him with everything you do, you trusted that he is pleased, that he loves you right now. Just the fact that he loves you and you can't change that shouldn't mean that you're going to go off and do whatever you want, right? I was, I was talking to Danny today, and I said, you know, like, imagine, has anybody ever done, like, a high ropes course or done any of that kind of stuff, right? You go to, to this thing, there's a cable, you know, it's like 25, 30 feet in the air, it's, it's just a cable, and there's another cable, and then they put a helmet on you, and then they make sure all the safety things, you have to wear a harness, there's another, there's a, literally another person tethered to you down here, there's nothing that's going to happen, if you do everything right, right, there's nothing that's going to happen that's going to cause you your life. You are safe to go up there and do that, right? But when you get up there and you have all that safety equipment on, you're not like, well, I'm safe. I'm just going to jump out here and act like however I want to do it. No, you go out there and you're still like, man, I want to do good. I want to do this right. In fact, I wouldn't even go out there and try to do right if I didn't have that stuff on me. Just because that Jesus says he's going to love you no matter what doesn't mean that you just go out there and mess up to, to show that. That's what Paul's saying. Like, why would you do that? There's a better way to live. But here's what we got to do. This is one of my favorite verses. Um, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, right, you are truly my disciples. And a disciple is someone who's disciplined, who is a follower. And he's saying, if you follow my word, which could be rules, right, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says, when you know the truth, right, when you know what I'm saying about you, that I love you, that you're free from sin right now, when you know that, then you will truly be free. Some of you guys are free right now, but you don't know it. And you're not living that way. Right? It was like, um, remember back in the day when everybody thought the earth was flat? Oh, it's also today, too. People still think that, right? But remember, like, they thought the earth was flat, and they're like, man, we can't go very far because what if we go really far and then we fall off the edge of the earth, right? We, like, they didn't feel free. Like, they could just go wherever they wanted because they were afraid of falling off the earth. Now, that was never the truth, right? But they lived according to that way, right? One day the earth didn't become round, and it gave them the freedom to, to travel everywhere. The earth was always round, but they didn't have that truth, so they did freedom. They didn't know it. Right? It's the same with you. If you have given your life to Jesus, right? If you've said, Jesus, man, I'm giving my life to you. I'm trusting you. I'm putting my faith in you. There's nothing that I can do but only what you've already done for me. If you've already done that, then Jesus says that you're free from sin. You're free from the power of sin. You're free from the penalty of sin. That's what he says. And if you know that and start to believe that, then I think that you're going to start living out the freedom that God wants you to live. 
that you'll really be free to be who you're supposed to be, a child of God. So what would that look like for you in this room? Right? I want you to know, too, I've been saying, like, you were like this, and now it's like this. But for some of you, you're still in the before. You haven't given your life to Jesus. And the Bible says, like I said, that you're stuck in sin. Those are the breaks. But you don't have to be. You can give your life to Jesus and experience freedom. Some of you guys have given your life to Christ, but you're not experiencing freedom. You have a chance to do that. Sin is not in charge anymore. You don't have to listen, right? You don't have to listen to your mom telling you where you're going to go to Christmas anymore. She's not the boss, right? You know how you say, kids say that, you're not the boss of me. Like when your mind's saying, hey, do this sin, you're like, you're not the boss. I don't have to do it. I don't have to do it. What would your life look like if you stopped trying and started trusting who God says you are? What would this church look like if we stopped trying so hard and focusing on not doing the wrong things and we just trusted who God said we were and started living that way? How would we transform this community? How would your life look different? Jesus says, man, I like he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Because the Bible also says this. Jesus says, I am the truth. Right? I am the truth. The way, the truth. So if you know the truth, if you know Jesus, that's where the freedom is. There's no other way. If you want to know freedom, real freedom, then you have to know Jesus. I want to ask the band to come up and play some music. But what I want you to do is just maybe shut your eyes and just reflect. Ask God to say, hey, God, where am I not experiencing freedom in my life? That you've given me. You've given me a freedom, and maybe I'm not. Ask God to show that to you. And then respond to what he wants you to do about it. Some of you, I don't even, you don't even have to ask God, because you're like, as I'm speaking, you're like, man, I have zero freedom from this. I am stuck in the bondage of this bad relationship. I am stuck in the bondage of looking at this garbage on the Internet. I am stuck in the bondage of being a selfish parent and wanting to do what I want to do and not spending time with my kids. I'm stuck in that. I need some freedom. You can experience that today and you can live in it. But you got to know the truth. And the truth is, is that Jesus came and died so that he could have a new life. There's no hope for Charlotte the pig. She's always going to be a pig. Right? But Jesus came to give you a new life. He said that the old man has been crucified and is dead. I love it when Paul says, it's no longer me that lives, but Christ who lives in me. It's not a, that old thing is dead. I'm not trying to change the old thing into a good thing, into a new thing. He says the old is gone, the new is here. I'm a new creation. I have a new master. It's God. Spend some time with him and respond.